0: Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Cannabis Unlocked. In this conversation, Scott Jordan, the founder of Alternative Finance Network, sits down with me, Jordan Euclis, to talk through cannabis rescheduling's impact on access to capital, credit card processing, and even back taxes. The conversation begins with Scott's thoughts on cannabis rescheduling, 280 ADE and the implications for 280E in the event of rescheduling. From there, Scott dives into the role his company, Alternative Finance Network, provides to the cannabis space and how it helps cannabis operators connect with lenders and money sources. The talk continues with Scott and I's thoughts on how credit card processing and access to capital will change if rescheduling were to occur. This episode concludes with Scott's perspective on how retroactive 280E taxes will be managed once rescheduling occurs. Please enjoy. Everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Cannabis Unlocked. Today, I'm your host, Jordan Euclis, one of the founders of Key Investment Partners, and I'm very excited to be joined again by Scott Jordan, the founder of Alternative Finance Network. Scott, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Always good connecting up with another Jordan, particularly you know early on in the year. Happy New Year to you and your crew. Hope 24 is going to open the door to the best year ever for you.
0: Absolutely. I hope the same for you. And you know, I think as we were kind of chatting about before we started rolling, I think uh 2024 has the potential to be the best one yet for cannabis and you know, that that may be a hot take given how um, challenging the market has been the last couple years, but I think that just is natural with emerging industries, right, where you see these violent um downswings, but you also see very strong recoveries in the up years and and the the dominoes seem to be lining up to make it such that 2024 has the potential to be a fantastic year for cannabis?
1: I think so. I think we're going to get some positive things happening in terms of, uh, you know, Congress and the DEA. We think rescheduling is definitely going to happen. And we think with descheduling, 280E, you know, uh, is not the draconian tax that, you know, is killing the industry. We also think some of the states are going to get wise to, we can't, the state is the ones that are making the money right now. The states and the federal government are the ones that are making the money and they've got no risk. And so we think that uh, as we've seen other states enact 280E um, where they'll allow them for the state tax to deduct, you know, normal and customary business expenses. We think the same kind of things are going to happen with, um, with the rest of the, you know, uh, legalization and and uh, and the rest of the, laws and other regulations that um cannabis has to live under absolutely Plus, you know we're seeing more and more lenders now that are wanting um some you know to either get the deposits which are very big you know these days the bankers really want deposits and they also want to have some exposure to the industry so that when it does legalize when not if that they'll be ready and positioned to be able to take advantage of this newly emerging
0: industry. Absolutely. So uh, maybe taking a step back, you know, I'm I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be familiar with both the uh, rescheduling um, consideration that's in process and what section 280E is, both of which you just mentioned, but maybe for folks who um aren't as familiar or aren't as close to the situation, could we take a step back and could you talk about what rescheduling means and what that section 280E is and what the implications
1: for 280 would be in light of potential rescheduling? Sure. Well, you know, we could have a whole webinar just on that. So I'm going to try to give you the shortened version. You know, basically 280E is the IRS uh, code that uh, designates that uh, anybody trafficking in a federally illegal substance is not able to deduct any expenses other than cost of goods sold. So that is adds up to roughly 30% higher or, you know, lower profit. And a lot of times companies are losing money and still having to owe for taxes. So, I mean, that's just like a killer. You work all year and you owe money, you know, to uh, to the feds with penalties, et cetera, et cetera. So we are hoping with rescheduling, uh, you know, Biden said that he wanted the DEA to reschedule cannabis off of a Schedule 1, which has no... Um, you know, medicinal benefits at all, which we all know is baloney and schedule it for a two or a three. We feel that based on it becoming a three or becoming descheduled, that there would ne- then not be the penalty. 280E would go out the window and all of a sudden all of these companies would become much, much more profitable or go from being unprofitable to being profitable, mm-hmm. which of course will raise the whole, um, stance of the image of the uh, industry, so that um, more and more people will get into it, more and more banks will get into it, and there'll be more and more um, ability for investors that are just looking for a profit, not that are looking to, you know, save the world or come out with other products that are, you know, beneficial to people. Just you know, here and simply investors will then jump on the bandwagon and, and cause an explosion in stock prices. An increase in valuations, hugely, because we saw what happened, you know, a, a, uh, a few months ago when they first announced it. I mean, cannabis stocks shot up like you know a hockey stick, like they should. So they've been beaten down tremendously. We think there's a you know an opportunity to take a look at some of the, you know, cannabis companies that are trading at very very low valuations, and uh, you know, grab some stock cheap or some options cheap and be able to uh, take advantage of the run-up.
0: Fantastic. We, we certainly agree with your whole assessment there. And Scott, would you remind the listeners, what is it that you all do at Alternative Finance Network?
1: Sure. So we've uh, created a network of lenders and funding sources. Uh, we have over 120 now that are cannabis friendly, that will lend into the industry, whether it's equipment, real estate, working capital, uh, senior secured loan, construction loans, you name it, we've got a half a dozen or more lenders in each one of those categories that are willing to lend into the cannabis industry. So you come to us with one application, we can get you all the financing that you need. And we start off with trying to look for bank or, um, very inexpensive money, life insurance money, um, credit union money that will help you grow your business without having to give up equity. That's really what we do. We, uh, uh, we we provide the rest of the capital stack once you've raised your equity or have equity into the deal
0: that's that's fantastic and certainly a mission critical need for the industry you know especially since uh, the beginning of i call it 2022 when we really saw uh, access to capital and cannabis start to dry up dramatically and the cost of capital therefore increase significantly so I'd love to hear what your network has what you know how your network has been impacted over the last two years right as cost of capital has gone up a and B would also love to know uh, how your existing portfolio has performed in light of the difficult challenges over the last two years
1: sure well um, thank goodness the portfolio has performed impeccably well We've had one default which we ended up curing. Uh, out of the 84 loans that we've, uh, you know, initiated. So we think that's really good. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of what what we're doing, we found some lenders have cycled out, but we found some ones have cycled in, particularly the ones that are looking to provide depository and other services to the industry. Mm-hmm. We think that um, not only, I mean, I'm hoping for a double a double banger here. 280 goes away and we get credit card processing because with credit card processing, that is the killer these days that, you know, makes the dispensary such a big target because there's so much cash there. You know, we want to eliminate the danger or not eliminate, but reduce the danger of, you know, break-ins and and robberies and also have people spend more. People spend more traditionally 20 to 30% more when they can charge it. And then maybe we'll have some of the buy now, pay later, you know, uh, lenders come into into play here that I see on every single checkout card. It seems like there's Klarna or, you know, buy now, pay later. Uh, And we think that will increase the industry, you know, greatly. And then, you know, the unknown factor, of course, is what's going to happen in November with the election. Sure. And, you know, who knows? I mean. Who knows? I would love to see people's predictions today. What's going to happen in the day after election, and you know, all the way up to January twenty-one when the new president or the president gets sworn in for the next four years. You know, you just don't know. I mean, the stuff that I watch totally. in the news right now—that's you know, taking place with all of the trials with Trump, you know, going on. It's like really, I could have never, ever, ever imagined. That the president, you know, potential president of the United States, former president of the United States, would be on trial in five different places for five different things. Yeah, you know, it seems crazy. And It does. used to pick up, you know, momentum, you know, in the polls and uses it to raise money for, you know, future, um, you know, campaign spending. It just, I don't think anybody could have predicted that like four years ago, five years ago, before Trump, you know, became president. Could we have really predicted this kind of outcome? It just seems unrealistic to me.
0: Yeah. It's like- and then on the other side of the aisle, you think about the fact that, you know, there's a lot of speculation that Joe Biden's not going to even end up running again, right? And it's like, wow, so the two front runners, m- neither of them may even be on the ballot, right? So it's, you know, election years, I think, are notoriously volatile. And I think 2024 is uh, set for
1: <laughs> uh, a disproportionate amount volatility. of that volatility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to make it to see the election (laughs) and what happens, okay?
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. So as you talk about, you know, credit card processing, what do you think it'll take for that to really be um, a viable option in cannabis, right? We've seen a lot of players that have attempted to do it in the existing framework. You know, I think they've generally struggled both on finding partner banks willing to work with cannabis businesses, and on getting end user adoption. Because whatever solution they come up with, typically, you know, requires some sort of workaround that is not necessarily easy or um, convenient for the end customer to use. So that's all to ask. You know, what do you think it'll take for for payments to be able to be a viable, um, or sorry, for for credit card processing to be a viable payment? solution in cannabis is a rescheduling or would we need some additional legislative change in addition to that well
1: you, you need one of two things uh we've got um uh, one of our partners is working right now with a credit card company that has supposedly solved this issue and we're waiting for a 90-day mark of okay you know what's what's been really happening you know is your workaround really a workaround for MasterCard or Visa credit card? option, not just, you know, pin debit. So that would be great if a solution works. Oh my gosh, it's going to be wonderful. The other solution is getting MasterCard or Visa to buy in and say, okay, we're going to allow this, you know, this is now, again, if it's not federally illegal and it's not a schedule one, there should be a lot of momentum to take, to pick up a 25 to $30 billion and growing industry at, you know, 25, 30% a year. We think someone's going to go into that and someone's going to pick that up. So either one of those happening. In fact, I want to come back next year in January and let's see, let's see what happens here on these predictions, you know, and on the outcome of, you know, the presidential election, yeah. tape, all of these things, you know, it would be fascinating. I, I looked at a a, a, a a broadcast that I did with Sunday Seafried back in 2016 It was so fascinating to see you know you couldn't get a bank account you could beg and there was maybe one provider of a bank account and it was super expensive Mm -hmm. you know two to ten thousand dollars a month per account wow yeah so i mean look at how much that's changed you got banks fighting over it now you know you got free accounts i mean you know i i got um shut down by one of the uh you know top banks and you know had my choice this was two years ago of which bank I was going to go to. I chose one with no fee, smaller bank, Wanted to see what it was like. I bank with one of the other top five money center banks and, you know, 24 by seven service, you know, et cetera. This is nine to five, baby. 501. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> 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 I got kids to pick up at school. You know, I got I got horses to uh, to feed, cows to milk, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so funny. Yeah. Um. So you know, you talked about how if we do get rescheduling, that you know the immediate impact will be on 280 e going away and dramatically improving cannabis businesses profitability. I, I'd be curious to also get your thoughts on how you think that will impact access to debt and equity capital for cannabis sure. businesses.
1: Well, it will certainly increase it. It will take away the fear that many companies' boards have, but I don't think a lot of banks are going to jump into it wholeheartedly because the previous, first of all, there's not enough history for banks mm-hmm. to really get comfortable. Second of all, the history has not been especially good the last couple of years with the defaults, with um you know, uh, the companies, the public companies, uh, you know, going out of business or not lending anymore. You know, we used to see AFC Gamma at all the shows. You don't see them anymore. You know, uh, several of the other ones that, uh, you know, are much more quiet. They're not showing up at shows, although they are doing deals. You know, it looks to be uh, some of the companies have come along with these, you know, loan to own deals because, we, we, we've taken a look at some of these deals and there's no way that it pencils without a takeover and a selling of the assets or some kind of a roll up if they have, you know, valuable retail assets. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But we're very bullish that those things are going to happen. We're very bullish that descheduling is going to happen. That safe is going to pass finally, or some version of safe. And that, um, the industry will bounce back, and it'll be a glorious renewal of, you know, uh, of a industry that has tremendous potential for improving people's lives, you know, both mentally and also medicinally. You know, we're really excited about some of the medicinal benefits that can, you know, come from uh, from descheduling and being able to test more and you know use the plant for the real benefit of the plant, which is you know, all of these diseases that it can attack or, or um help um, you know, people with pain management. Totally. Yeah.
0: So I love the optimism you have uh you know for good news coming in 2024 for the cannabis sector. You know, I mean tell me what you think will be kind of the the broader implications going forward of uh, assuming that we do get rescheduling and the industry is able to really finally operate in an environment where it's reasonable to become profitable and in, in your tax at a rate consistent with other retail industries.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that there'll be a lot of money that'll come off the sideline that's mm-hmm. been kind of sitting there, kind of waiting for, you know, things to improve. I think, uh, you know, uh, certainly jobs, um, you know, I think that there'll be much more hiring, uh, you know, that'll go on. And I think, you know, that'll be positive, particularly in, a, in an election year. Um, I think that uh, the banks will discover, you know, a new customer base to be able to serve and, and go after. And then I think a few guys are going to go ahead and take advantage of buying assets, uh, you know, at a deep discount, yeah, them together, rolling them up. We're actually working with a company right now that has a very ambitious roll-up plan where we're doing the first one now. And we expect that that will, you know, produce other, um, you know, other wins as well for um, him and you know, his strategy. So, you know, whenever there's movement, whether it's, you know, moving up or moving down or consolidating, there's opportunities for entrepreneurs that see, you know, what's ahead are taking advantage of, uh, you know, getting assets at a discount. Yeah. And, uh, you know, putting them in together. And then again, if, uh, you know, 280 goes away, all of a sudden, you know, a lot more companies will be profitable.
0: Yeah. And I'm really glad you bring up all the distressed and consolidation opportunities, right? Because I think that's also one of the things that's changed a lot for cannabis versus called, you know, the last downturn which was, you know, when when COVID first hit 2020, right? I think at that point the industry was so nascent and the valuations that folks had raised at in 2018 and 2019 were so astronomical and off the charts that like that they were never going to make money, right? But I think the difference now is that you know, the money and, and the companies that have been funded over the last few years, while maybe they were, again, overvalued and people didn't appropriately consider the impact of 280E, et cetera. You know, now you've got real assets, real businesses that maybe were just over levered or undermanaged or just, you know, too difficult to make a profit in that 280E era. But with some of that stuff going away, You know, you have real opportunity to consolidate the industry, especially if you can find some big capital partners to come in behind you. So that's why we know we're more bullish than ever on uh, the opportunity set going forward for cannabis here.
1: Good, good. Well, um, we see a lot of deals. We'd certainly love to, uh, you know, show you some deals that need some equity. Absolutely, we're very um, you know optimistic. There's some good operators out there that just need a fair shot at making a profit and. Having capital at reasonable costs, we think, of course, you know, once it does get descheduled, there will be more and more banks that will, you know, uh, get in. We'll start seeing larger deals, and also deals on, hopefully, on equipment and working capital. Mostly right now, it's on real estate or real estate based. Yeah, so we're hoping that, you know, uh, with companies becoming more profitable, being able to get audited, being able to see real financials you know, real real banks will come in with real money.
0: Yeah, totally. Now, we see a lot of uh, plant-touching businesses that have pretty meaningful outstanding tax liabilities. Yep. Um, and so I'd be curious, you know, A, how do you all underwrite that? And B, you know, let's say we get rescheduling this quarter or next quarter. How are you thinking about what that means for retroactive unpaid to ADE taxes?
1: Well... We don't think that uh, the government will go back and retroactively apply to ADE. That would be, you know, nirvana. We, we We're hoping for just a good outcome, not a, a nirvana one it would be <laughs> great if they did, but um, we, we don't see that as being uh, as something we're banking on. We do underwrite to, um, you know, take into account taxes. But we also um, take into account what we see as, you know, increased in uh, in margins, um, and you know, the, the, one of the biggest factors is how much is each market going to decrease in wholesale pricing over the next 12 months. Is your crystal ball giving you a firm answer that I can go back to? <laughs> my, you know, underwriting committee, is it 12 and a half percent in this state and 17, you know, and a quarter in this state, or, you know, what is it that, you know, it's hard to know what's going to happen mm-hmm. in terms of that. Totally. So, so yeah, it it's, it's, uh, it's a real art, not a real science.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting. We've seen a lot of different plant touching businesses that take different strategies with their 280 payables, right? Some, That are managing it very actively and and I'd say taking a more um, uh, liberal interpretation of the law, you know, while still having the at least backup to to argue it versus others who have grown more slowly and, you know, have been paying it down um, as scheduled others who have just completely ignored the rule and not paid any of it right and so. It'll be interesting to see which strategy works out, and and you know, does the taxman come to collect for some, and and do and do others get left holding the bag? You know, it's a lot of uh, a lot of variables still to be seen.
1: I agree, I agree, and uh, I'm glad I don't have to face that issue. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. us but too.
1: It's, a, it's it's a bear. I was audited. I had an IRS audit about six years ago or so, seven years ago. Very small amount. You know, fifteen thousand dollars. Nothing, right? I mean, why the heck is the IRS going after somebody for 15 grand? I can't tell you the nights that I lost sleep. And then I learned, you know, they're not going to throw me in jail. I mean, I responded, I got them the information. I wasn't ignoring it. It wasn't a large amount, but you just have these irrational fears of, you know, they're going to show up one day or, you know, they're going to do a Tommy Chong and, 25 SWAT guys are going to show up with machine guns at three in the morning and scare the crap out of me and my wife. Yeah. So have PTSD. It's like, you know, thank goodness it wasn't that kind of case.
0: Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah.
1: And by the way, I ended up winning, but it cost me more to defend than if I had just paid in the first place.
0: Yeah. So That's how in, they get you.
1: <laughs> how do you do that?
0: can't cheat death and taxes right even if you don't know the taxes
1: <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> it is crazy it is crazy yeah yeah well so scott this is so good in, in 2024 you know in the equity market what sort of th- things are you looking at and deals that are coming across your table
0: yeah absolutely you know i think we have very similar sentiments right we're, we're cautiously optimistic that we are going to get rescheduling here i think the view internally is that, you know, if it's going to happen this year, it'll probably happen in the first half, because I think as you get too close to the election, no one wants to do anything that can really rock the boat, right? I think that um, the most likely reason that it'll happen this year is that, you know, it's it's a way for the Biden administration to show a big win for their base, you know, going into the election. And and we've heard anecdotally that their campaign has already started setting up, you um, focus groups in key battleground cities to kind of test different ways to market cannabis rescheduling. Um, and as I'm sure, you know, uh, last month Biden came out with an announcement regarding pardoning everyone for cannabis offenses. So we felt like that was certainly a positive signal, um, in the right direction towards rescheduling, you know, obviously can't count our chickens before they hatch. If we don't get rescheduling or if the DEA says, um, it's going to be just schedule two, meaning that 280E stays in place. Then I think we'll have to change our overall strategy pretty quickly. But um, you know, and until we get that bad news, we're operating under the uh, uh cautious optimism that we are going to get rescheduling, which I think to your point about debt markets will also significantly impact equity markets and and raise and make raising capital much easier. Uh-huh. Um, that said, you know, we also recognize that. Given the volatility in the markets more broadly, given the increasing interest rates and that sort of thing that I think investors as a whole have pulled off on equity relative to debt. And so what we've really been focusing on for our current funds, too, are finding really unique investment opportunities that have the benefits of both debt and equity securities, right, where we can get downside protection, current income and equity like upside. So looking to structure a lot of convertible debt or uh, preferred equity with significant liquidation preferences, that kind of thing. And, you know, the silver lining for us on the buy side with capital being as scarce as it is in cannabis is that we are able to structure those really attractive securities.
1: Great. Well, good. Yeah. Well, let's put on the calendar, uh, you know, sometime in January to get together and let's, let, let's look at this uh, before, see what we, uh, what actually happened and uh, see what it looks like for 2025.
0: I love it. Let's do it, Scott. And I think, uh, you know, I'd love to um, end with your prediction on whether, you know, the cannabis market this year is going to outperform the
1: S&P. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's such a it's such a low point. I can't see the S&P, you know, doing much. um, I I think cannabis will do very, very well because starting at such a low basis.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, we'll see. We'll see on our next podcast in January 25, whether our prediction was right.
1: (laughs) right. Very good. Thanks so much for having me on, Jordan. Always a pleasure getting together with you and another Jordan.
0: Absolutely. You too, Scott. I really appreciate the time and the insights are are really valuable as always. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.